You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. presence we feel in this place. Thank God that we can come into an atmosphere and we can experience the power and presence of God. Some of you came today and you're going through some pretty difficult things in your life. Some of you would say, you know what? Life is just going on. Nothing real dramatic about what's happening. What I understand is that in any case, whatever you find yourself in, God deserves our praise and God deserves our worship. Something happens when we magnify the Lord. We don't have to be in deep trouble and anything going on, but it's just a a great opportunity when we gather together. Why don't you lift your hands and say, God, I love you today. I just worship you. I thank you for your great name that brings victory in my life. I thank you for, God, your presence that we can feel. Everyone who's gathered here today, Lord, everyone who is here, Lord. I pray, God, your presence would just meet us. Your presence would just meet us, your sweet presence that speaks peace into every situation, Lord. We love you today. We love you today. We worship you, Lord. We bow our hearts to you, and we worship you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah one of the things I love about just coming to church. I just feel that washing of my mind and my spirit, and I just feel the touch of the Lord. And uh, so great to see each of you here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for responding to the Lord, being a part of this day. I'm going to ask our ushers to come. They're going to receive our Sunday tithe and offering. And as a part of that, I just want to celebrate a little bit today. I know since January... We've had, I think, over $20,000 come in in missions giving. And would you clap your hands for that? Amen. And uh, this is being sent out. We've sent out uh, $5,000 to what's called Christmas for Christ. This is to our North American missionaries. Uh, It's a special offering of the United Pentecostal Church. And we sent $5,000 towards Christmas for Christ to help new churches get started. Uh, I know that this, uh, since January, we've uh, sent out over $3,400 to different missionaries around the world, and we're getting ready uh, to to send $10,000 to the Ukraine uh, on behalf of what's going on there and their building project. And so I encourage you to be a part of missions giving here at Calvary. If you haven't had a chance to give your harvest offering from our missions conference in December, or if you haven't made a pledge or aren't giving monthly, I encourage you to partner with what God is doing around the world. This church is what it is today because of uh, faithful and courageous giving towards missions. So would you clap your hands to the Lord for that? Amen. Amen. And this coming Sunday is Super Team Sunday, and this is going to be a lot of fun. 
Uh, and uh, if you should have received the catalog when you came in today, I can probably guarantee you there's something on here that you could do for uh, to be a part of the team at the Calvary Church. We're going to have some giveaways, some different things we're going to be doing next week, so make sure you're a part of that. And uh, if you're uh, on a ministry team, I told the ministry team volunteers today in the pre-service meeting that if you're on a ministry team, find somebody who is near you. If they're not on a ministry team, feel free to recruit them to be on your uh, ministry team. So we are a great church because so many people serve in so many areas, and I'm thankful for that. You may be seated this morning. In April of last year, April 2022, our family drove on our way to Dallas, Texas. We drove through Memphis, Tennessee, and we made a particular stop at the Lorraine Hotel in downtown Memphis. This is the site of where Martin Luther King Jr. was shot on April 4th, 1968. And that particular place, the Lorraine Hotel, is a sobering place if you haven't been there. It's a sobering place, and it's an inspiring place. Because we recognize in American culture what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was to uh, our, who we are today, and in particular to civil rights. And on August 28, 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered an iconic and powerful speech at the Lincoln Memorial. Most call it the I Have a Dream speech. The speech stirred the American consciousness and exposed the horrors of racism. And as the speech came to a crescendo, Dr. King repeated the phrase over and over, I have a dream. Finally making his final push for the idea, he said, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. I have a dream. That word dream is powerful. So intriguing and inspiring, the idea of a dream, yet it's mysterious and mystical at times. Symbolic nature of dreams has always been inspiring. And the idea of a dream in our life can lift our spirits. For Dr. King, he was elevating the awareness of America to an idealism that he felt was lacking, but ha having invoked 
the idea of a dream. He felt that that would make it attainable. And the metaphor of a dream spoke to the real possibility of something that could change, something that could happen. And last week we introduced a significant character in Scripture named Joseph. We took a flight through his life and considered what we should do about our life in particular relation to his life. And today I want to make a landing on one of the first legs of Joseph's life, and I want to speak on the subject, I have a dream. I have a dream. According to the Cleveland Clinic, there's a lot that experts don't know about why people dream and where dreams come from. Do we have any dreamers in the house? You dream a lot, all right? We've got some dreamers. Some of you are like, no, don't dream at all. But the prevailing theory is that dreaming helps consolidate and analyze our memories. And many times they say it serves as a sort of rehearsal for various situations and challenges that some might face during the daytime. And so dreaming occurs during that REM sleep, that REM, rapid eye movement sleep, in which we cycle through periodically during the night. Most sleep studies will tell you you dream during that time. Experts believe the, the, the brainstem generates that REM sleep and the, the forebrain generates the dream. And there's a lot to be considered about it, and there's a lot that uh, they seem to know about it, but if you talk to experts, most will say they, they really don't know how dreaming actually works. It has so many implications in our life. It has so many places that it, it, it can show up. Many people who are living with post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome or disorder, the PTSD, are uh, many times affected in the dream state because they have nightmares that take them back to a period of time in their life where they face something Traumatic. I was riding this week with a police officer who spent many years in the military and uh, was uh, in some very difficult situations in his life in the military. And he was telling me about the nightmares that he has on a pretty reoccurring basis. There's something about the subconscious and the, the dreaming that impacts our lives. How many have had children who had night terrors or nightmares, so to speak? Maybe you've experienced that in your own life. We, I, I, I know Ava was our night terror baby. She, she would cry out in the night. Emma was our sleepwalker. She would just get up and stand next to the bed and stare down at you. Just You just turn her around and send her back to where she was going. Some of you probably have had some crazy dreams. You're a crazy 
dreamer. I had a dreams when I woke up Saturday morning. I had realized I had dreamed, and and as I be, began to think about the dream, uh, I realized that it it was all related to things that I had. Uh, seen or been a part of on Friday. My brain had jumbled and created this magnificent dream that uh, all these disconnected things came into focus in one idea. I would suppose that most dreams we have are not very noteworthy. Many times they are strange, they are scary, or they are senseless. However, we understand through Scripture that dreams can have spiritual significance and are sometimes God-given. There are 21 dreams recorded in Scripture. Six of the dreamers are kings. One of the dreamer is a woman. Two of the dreamers are named Joseph. When we think of Joseph being a dreamer, we think of our story last week, Joseph. But in fact, the most prolific dreamer in Scripture is actually Joseph in the New Testament. Mary's husband, Joseph, he was the most prolific of the divine dreamers. However, we're probably most familiar when you think about dreaming in the Bible or divine dreams. We think of Joseph of the Old Testament. When we consider the life of Joseph, and if you've ever heard the story of Joseph, most likely you've heard that he is a dreamer. We're introduced to Joseph, as I mentioned last week, in Genesis chapter 37. It didn't take long for in the narrative of the story of Joseph to begin to recognize that he had some significant dreams. His dreams, though, were not just dreams that he had dreamed and that was it, but he began to share his dreams with others. And in fact, it would startle and it would shake the nerves of his brothers and his father when he would tell them their dreams. And I I think we have to begin by uh, just looking at that idea that it was just the sharing of a dream that startled and shook his brothers. A dream, in a dream, nothing happens. It's just your imagination. It's just this thought. But to the brothers and to his father, they had put meaning on his dream, and so it shook them to the core. When we read the biblical account, we see that Joseph, though, never says that God gave him a dream. He simply shares his dream. Now, we contrast this to Joseph's father, Jacob, who also dreamed dreams. And in Genesis 28, the Bible talks about Jacob dreaming. He laid that pillow of rock down, and he laid down, and he saw the angels ascending and descending from heaven. And in the dream, the Bible says that God spoke to Jacob and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. It was clear that it was a God-given dream. In Genesis 31, Jacob is told by God, 
in a dream to return to the land of his fathers. And so for Jacob, the dreams that he had had an immediate focus and a connection to God. But when Joseph woke from his dream, when Joseph came to, he, he didn't have necessarily this thus saith the Lord moment. See, when Jacob, his father, woke up in Genesis 28, Jacob, the Bible says in verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. The dream helped him understand that God was right there and that God was speaking to him. However, Joseph, it doesn't seem to me that he lays claim that this is a dream from God. He simply says in Genesis 37 verse 6, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. I, I want you to hear this dream because uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what it means. And so he declares to them the dream about the sheaf that rose up and the other sheaves that bowed down. And then he dreamed another dream. And all he said was, look, I have dreamed another dream. And he said, this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down. I think it's interesting that these dreams, these dreams that Joseph had were dreams that ultimately are what caused his brothers, the scripture says, to hate him even more. It says that in verse 8 of chapter 37, that after he told them the dreams, the brother said, are you going to reign over us? Are you saying that you're going to be in control of us, and then it says they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. It's just an imagination. Nothing has happened but to them. It was a reality, and it caused them to hate his brothers. So when I look at that and I consider dreams and I consider this today... I, I believe that these dreams and dreams in Scripture, when you look at God-given dreams, dreams position us. While Jacob's dream in Genesis 31 told Jacob where to go, Joseph's dream had no destination. It was simply a dream. But I believe that his dream was still intended to position him. The dream didn't push Joseph to do anything different. But it certainly impacted his brothers. And his brothers said that they hated him even more because of the dream. So I'm wondering, does the dream, did the dream and the revelation of the dream really, was it just intended for Joseph or was it intended for his brothers? Because it's the dream and the dreams that pushed Joseph's 
brothers to hate him. That would ultimately cause them to take their vengeance against Joseph. Now, I'm not going to try to to dig in this all day today, but I, I just find it intriguing that Joseph has the dream. He has the dream, but it seems that it affected the brothers more than it affected Joseph. Because the scripture tells us he forgot the dream. Because it didn't make sense. He couldn't make sense of it. He forgot the dream because it was out of touch with his reality. The scripture tells us in Genesis 42, after he went through all that he went through, where his brothers beat him and threw him in the pit and ultimately sold him and he got sold to the Egyptians and his rise and fall in that whole deal. The Bible says that as his brothers came to him, he recognized them. And they did not recognize him. But in verse 9, it says, Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed about them. And it says, He said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And I... When I see this, I wonder if Jacob's dream was not, or Joseph's dream was not just so he could feel like he was elevated. But God had a purpose for that dream that impacted other people. Now stay with me for just a minute. I say this because when we realize Joseph recognizes his brothers and ultimately he decides to forgive them. He makes this statement to them. And when he invites them, he's going to forgive them for what they've done. He said to them, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine had been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. Says that dream that caused you to do what you did. It was simply to position me where I needed to be. And that's what dreams do in Scripture. God-given dreams were sent to position people where they needed to be. The Scripture says, and he had, has made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all the houses and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. And so I say today that dreams are powerful and dreams can be God given. This past week, my dad sent me a dream that he had, a God given dream that he dreamed 46 years ago. And this is what he said. For several days straight, 
46 years ago, he said, I kept having the same type of dream over and over. I would be in different types of venues. However, what I was doing was the same. I was preaching the gospel. In my dreams, I would quote scripture after scripture. And when I woke up and tried to quote those same scriptures, I was unable to. Then in early morning of, on, uh, of Sunday, February 12, 1977, I dreamed again. Only this time I took my Bible and went into a neighborhood bar where I knew I had friends that evening. Burdened for them, I sat down at the table where they were drinking and opened my Bible and began to minister to them. They all left the bar with me to give their lives to Jesus. As we were walking down the street, the Lord spoke to me in the dream and said, I am calling you to preach my gospel. I immediately woke up trembling in tears. He said, this can't be happening. I'm so unworthy. You have to understand during this time when he is dreaming this dream, he had uh, been backslidden from God for a number of years and had spent time away from God, had been angry at God for the death of his brother. And so he begins to have these dreams and he's saying in this that he felt so unworthy because of him walking away from God. He said, I went downstairs trembling on that February 12th day in 1977, weeping to not disturb my wife. I laid down on the couch in a few moments, went into another dream. Again, I'm watching me preach the gospel, quoting scripture after scripture. I then heard the Lord speak to me again. I'm calling you to preach the gospel. He said, I woke up so broken. I was trembling inside. I went to Sunday morning service knowing I had to talk to my pastor. Sitting on the front row that morning, it felt like God was speaking directly to me through my pastor. The message he preached was titled, To Challenge a Leader. As he preached, his entire message was about accepting the call of God to preach the gospel. I could not hold back tears while he preached. He then began to read scriptures in Numbers 12, 6. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. He read 2 Timothy 3, 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He read 2 Timothy 4, 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And he quoted Romans 12, 7, or, mystery, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry and he that teacheth on teaching. He said by the time he finished reading those verses, 
I was doubled over in my pew, and I knew the calling that I had been dreaming about was not just my imagination. And he said that was the day that God confirmed his calling and the dreams he had been giving me. It was 46 years ago, and he said the rest is history to God be the glory for finding me worthy to partner with him in ministry these last 46 years. He said, it's been an amazing life. I can't wait to see what the future holds. It would be shortly thereafter, three years later, that my parents would start a church in Canton, Ohio, when I was three years old. And what I understand today is that I am a byproduct of a dream. I'm a byproduct of a dream that God would have and God would give. But you say, preacher, I've never had a dream. And I understand that today. I haven't had a dream myself like that to make me understand my calling. And sometimes we treat a dream like some spooky, mystical thing, but let me make it simple today. I'm not saying today that the only way you can do something for God is if you have a dream in your sleep. But what I understand about a dream and a reason a dream is so powerful is because it disconnects you from your senses and you recognize that you're thinking things and you're having imaginations that you could not come up with just in and of yourself. And when you recognize that it's God-given and you've been disconnected from your senses, you realize that God is... Uh, speaking to you very directly. And so what I'm preaching today is simply a God-given dream is just a way that God speaks his will to us. And what I feel compelled to preach to you today is that you and I need a dream. It might not be a dream that happens because we fell asleep and God spoke to us, but you and I need a dream. You and I need clarity that thus saith the Lord. You and I need clarity that God wants to use our life. You and I need clarity that God is not finished with us yet. You need clarity today that God has a destiny for your life. You need a dream today and you need clarity today to know that God wants to use you for his glory. I have a dream today. I personally have a dream. No, it didn't happen when I fell asleep, but I'm convinced today that God can use my life. I'm convinced today that God wants to use my life. I have a dream. I have a dream today. And I believe under the sound of my voice, so many sit idle hoping that somehow God speaks, uh, hoping that somehow God will make his will clear, will clear. And I understand that today, but I'm believing that God is speaking more than we realize. Uh, God is trying to speak to us uh, more than we realize. And when he does, and when he speaks to us, 
It brings such clarity. It brings such confidence to what he's doing in our lives. I need a dream. I need a God-given dream. Because dreams are what position us to be where he wants us to be. Dreams are the way that God positioned those in Scripture, and dreams are the way that God can position us. I need a dream. I need clarity to know that I am on the right path that God wants me to be on. I need a dream. I need clarity that God is speaking to me. What I know is I can't do God's work in the world if I'm not doing his will. What I know is that God's will is understood by his word. And that's why I need a dream. Dreams allow us to see inside a context that disconnects us from our senses. Dreams take us out of our natural senses to a place that we begin to perceive. And when they are God-ordained dreams, we begin to perceive what God's will is and God's word is. That's why the writer would say, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I need to perceive God's will, not my will. I need to perceive God's plan and not my plan. I need a dream today. I need to see what God sees. I need to know what God knows. I need to perceive what God perceives. God said to his people in the book of Numbers, he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. You say, well, that's for prophets. Prophets see visions and prophets dream dreams. But how many know when the early disciples of Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, those who had gathered in the city were astonished because of what they heard and they saw. So they were trying to make sense of it. Some even thought that they were drunk. And finally, Peter decides he is going to declare to them what they were perceiving. And Peter, standing up with the eleven in Acts 2.14, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour or 9 a.m. in the morning. And then Peter reaches back nearly 400 years to a prophet named Joel, a prophet who understood the will of God. And Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. 
I go back to Numbers 12. Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Can I tell you today, the point of the Holy Ghost coming into your life is not so you can speak in tongues. It's not so you can have an experience, a one-time experience where you just experience this overwhelming uh, uh, feeling where you begin to speak another language. No, my friend, uh, the Holy Ghost comes in our life uh, because it has something to say. It has something to do. It has something to position us uh, to do for his glory. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. So you can perceive. Amen. You can perceive what the will and the word of God is in your life. This is the beauty of the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Because we all can declare, I have a dream. Oh, maybe you're not dreaming because you're sleeping. But I guarantee you. That God wants to speak in your life. That's why the Apostle Paul would ask some disciples in Acts 19. While they were in Paula, at Apollo, with, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper regions and he came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said, we have not heard about the Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You have not been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I encourage you today to be baptized in that saving name. There's no other name. Under heaven given among men whereby we might be saved. This is a powerful name. But when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. They began to declare the word of God. Martin Luther King stood and he faced the crowd on August 28, 1963 in sweltering Washington, D.C. heat. He lifted his voice and he said, I have a dream. And in the passage of his speech that I read to you at the opening of my message, Dr. King is quoting out of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 4. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. And then he I, the prophet Isaiah says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A dream is simply, a God-given dream is simply God speaking. 
God speaking into our lives. A vision is just God speaking. It might be an image. It might be a flash. But what is the point of a vision? What is the point of a dream? So God can get his word across. What is the prophetic? The prophetic is the word of God. It's God speaking. Calvary, we need God's word speaking among us. We need God. God's word declared in every home, in every life, in every job. We need dreams. We need visions. We need the prophetic. Because it's God's word that's going to position us to be where we need to be when we need to be there. Would you stand with me this morning? I believe today that God's word can minister to some lives in this room. There are individuals here today who maybe are walking through a valley. And the valley needs to be exalted. Some walking through crooked places. And that place needs to be straightened. And how that happens is for God's word to be spoken. And so I'm praying today when we take a moment here to pray. I believe in the gifts of the spirit because it's God's word. That is declared. I believe that when we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we have God's Spirit in us, that we have the capacity to declare His work. And so I'm believing, I'm believing today for some dreams. Some dreams that maybe have been pushed off to the side to come alive again. I don't know when it's going to be fulfilled in your life. I don't know when the desires and the things that God has spoken to you are going to be realized. But I absolutely believe that God can speak to you today. And something happens when we are confident in God's word. Something happens when we are confident in God's word. We can walk through difficult times. We can go through some scenarios in life because we're confident that God has spoken. I want to pray for you today. And I wonder if as I'm praying, you would step out of your pew. I want to pray with some specifically today. If you want prayer, I want to pray with you today. If you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost today, I want you to step forward. But I'm believing that God's word would be known in this place. God, I come to you right now. God, there 
our individuals in this room, Lord. Who have thought they've heard from you, but life doesn't make sense to them. God, they, in years past, have thought they understood what your will was for their life, but when they connect the dots, Lord, it is difficult. But Lord, today I'm praying that your word would come one more time. Your word would speak one more time. God, you would elevate your word. You would allow it, God, to accomplish its work. If the enemy, Lord, has stolen that word, I pray it would be returned. I pray that the word of God would accomplish everything it was sent to accomplish. God, we're praying today. We're praying today. And we're declaring your word in our homes and in our lives, Lord. Speak to us today. Allow us to be sensitive to your voice. God, we're not trying to just be mystical, but you promised us, Lord, with your spirit would come clarity of your will and your purpose, Lord. And we're praying that today. I pray for these young people today. God, as they surrender their hearts to you, I pray, God, that you would speak to them. Speak to them in their private time with you. Speak to them in dreams while they're asleep. Give them visions, Lord. But Lord, we just pray that your word would be known. Your word would be known in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I wonder if you, there's somebody near you and you just put your arm on their shoulder and declare the word of God to them. God, we're believing. We're believing, Lord, for miracles. We're believing for healing. We're believing, God, for your work to be done. Not for our glory, but for your glory, Lord. For your power. For your might in this world, Lord. Oh, God, you sent your word and it healed. Your word is what sent the apostles, Lord. Your word is what constrained the apostles. God, position us through your word. Position us to do your work, Lord, this week. Put us in front of people, Lord, that need to hear the gospel. Put us in front of people, Lord, who are desperate. Oh, God. Oh, God, we pray. We pray, God, let our ears be open. Let our hearts be attentive to, the, to your word, Lord. Break every lie and break every curse. word, Lord, be alive, let your word be active, oh God,
position us where you want us to be. God, if we walk, have to walk through a pit and we have to walk through a prison, Lord, position us where we need to be. Because anything, Lord, that we dream, anything that we are asked to do for you or given the opportunity, it's all for your glory, Lord. implications 
has implications on our lives and the trajectory of our lives. Sure, not everything is just a cookie-cutter pattern. If you do this and this, this equals that. I understand that. And I'm praying, I'm praying that we would have confidence as parents, as grandparents, to be obedient to the Word of God, be obedient to His Word, that we would have a dream for our families, we would have a dream to do His work in this world. God, I pray right now for our families, I pray for our moms and our dads, our grandparents, Lord, our aunts and uncles, those who are caring, those who are shepherding their families. God, I'm praying you would give us confidence today that as we seek your face, that we can know your will. God, I pray you would give us boldness in this hour. In this hour where there's so many things that are opposing us, so many things that maybe we even took for granted, Lord, we need your word to be steadfast in our homes. I'm praying, oh God, that we would break every curse, every lie, every excuse, every reason, and we would stand, Lord, in confidence to say, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. God, we can read your word and know how you want us to live our lives. We can read your word and know what you want us to do. And I pray we would stand with confidence that thus saith the Lord in our life. Oh, God, declare your purpose, declare your plan, position us, God, for your work to be done. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I pray, oh, God, give us confidence today. Give us confidence today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for being here, trusting the Lord to just use us in a great way this week. We have Growth University this Wednesday, continuing the series, Names of God. So I want to make sure that you are a part of that. Join us. It's a great, great. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.